Dealers need service revenue to stay profitable. And as vehicles become increasingly complex, consumers need service and repair guidance now more than ever. But with the majority of consumers defecting from service bays by the fifth year of ownership, dealers aren't just losing that revenue, but also a chance to influence the next purchase. Enter Kelly Blue Book Service Advisor, where consumers search for the information they need, trusting they can find the right repair partner for a fair price. Partner with Service Advisor, part of the number one most trusted third-party automotive brand, and turn your service center into a profit center. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome into another auto remarketing podcast. So glad to have you uh, join us. Uh, my name is Bill Zadites, and as you may have seen, we've got a, a special series on the auto remarketing podcast as the uh, NAAA, the National Auto Auction Association. This year is celebrating 75 years. And uh, as part of that, we wanted to do some special interviews and talk to some of those people who are uh, certainly the top and the lead of the organization now and uh, where that organization is heading. But I drew the lucky straw and said, you know what, I'm gonna talk to some of these Hall of Famers, these people who over the course of time have been really important to the NAAA. And so what we'll do is uh, is have some conversations with some of them. I'm looking forward to it. We'll have Tony Morby. Uh, Tony was with ADT Automotive and, and that auction group for a long time. And we're looking forward to that conversation. Tom Adams with Auction Insurance. We're going to have a conversation with Tom and uh, looking forward to, to reconnecting with him. But today, I am really glad to welcome into the Auto Remarketing Podcast, Lynn Weaver. Lynn's a good friend, has been one for a long time, and, and is one of the Hall of Famers uh, for the NAAA, the National Auto Auction Association. Uh, Lynn, uh, joining us from his home in Florida these days, where things are are, are looking good. Lynn, uh, how are you? Glad to see you. I'm doing great, Bill, and uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Lynn, let, let's walk back in time a little bit. I know you're a Virginia Tech Hokie, and, and uh, the auction days may not have started uh, the day you stepped off the uh, the Blacksburg campus, but how did you get started in the, in the automotive industry? What 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 are your memories of those early days and and your first your first jobs that you kind of kind of got you on the path to to where you eventually would become an NAAA Hall of Famer? Well, I I really did get started right off the Blacksburg campus. You know, I graduated and then was kind of goofing around Blacksburg and enjoying life. My parents friends with Harry Lawrence, who was running the NADA Used Car Guide. And I'd known Harry for years, but, you know, never thought about asking him for a job. But my parents weren't shy about it. And they asked if I could, they could find something for me to do. It was better than playing golf, you know, hanging around every day. So I interviewed with Harry. He said, yeah, I'll hire you as a manage, management trainee, which was interesting. I didn't know what NADA was when I went up for the interview. I thought it was Napa Auto Parts. So I got a... <laughs> A rude awakening that it was the National Auto Dealers Association, and I would be working for the used car guidebook company. So I started almost immediately and went through training processes over the first few months. But uh, one of my first responsibilities, and uh, which led me to the National Auto Auction Association, was Harry put me in charge of our data gathering, data management, I think we called it back in the day. And most of our data, our wholesale data, came from the auto auctions. This 
required creating a relationship with all of them and getting to know them and, you know, smooth them so that uh, they'd send us their information and so on. So I started doing that. I started traveling around and visiting the auctions up and down the East Coast and then throughout the country. And in those days, we literally got the wholesale data mailed to us on the weekly market reports that the auctions all used to produce. And they were part advertisement and part market information, but it was on paper. It would come in the mail. We'd keep track of who sent them and who didn't and call them up and try to get them to send us one as quick as they could if we didn't get in the normal time frame. This was pre-computerization, really. We had a, a mainframe computer in the building, but we had to change this information into a, into a digital format that the computer would understand. So we had people in a big room that uh, literally hand-coded all of these reports and we got them into the system as quick as we could. And that was the basis for the information that went into the NADA used car guide each and every month. And that led to my relationship with NAAA. And you know, I was with NADA for 18 years. And when I just decided to move on, I did a couple things, but ended up in the auction business with, I knew I always wanted to get in the business, the more I got to know it and the more I liked it. And the excitement of it and everything, but I got uh, involved with Stan Wynitsky, who was one of my go-to auctions all the time for information and things because they were fairly close to us in the D.C. area where our office was. So NADA evolved into uh, general manager and part owner of Harrisburg Auto Auction, and I was there for over 20 years. So I've had between the two opportunities in the industry, I've been involved with NAAA and the auction industry for over 45 years now. Led, that's so cool. I, I love to hear these stories. And I, I know that you went into the NAAA Hall of Fame in 93. And that, that just predates me by just a year or so when I came to work at auto remarketing. But it looks like you went in with a gentleman named Jim Cedar. Is that is that correct? I'm not familiar with that name. Yeah, Jim was a, an auction owner from upstate New York, if I recall. Jim was, a, I think, one of the original original members of NAAA and had been around for a long time and was always involved with the board of directors and attended all the meetings and just a really old school, good auction owner. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you go to work with Stan. What are some of your early memories there and, and some of the lessons learned? It sounds like you and Stan had a really good relationship from the get-go in your time at, at Used Car Guide, but were there some learning curves along the way? Oh, big, big time. It was a whole new world. You know, I, I'd come from a, you know, a, a quasi bureaucratic, you know, almost government type organization, NADA, into a mom and pop run small business. It was uh, lightning to me. We, uh, you know, we didn't have a phone system. Everybody's phone line rang directly on their desk. <laughs> One office line that went in the office. There was uh, really zero computerization. I remember one of the early memories that I was gathering from walking around and trying to learn the business was we were handwriting a VIN number about nine times from the time the car was, came under the canopy to get registered. If it sold, we'd have to translate that information on different forms about nine times. And think of the possibility of errors and all of that. For sure. It was crazy. Everything was all paper back in the day. And we, we started like that. And so one of the first things that I did with Stan's blessing was try to modernize the techniques at Harrisburg. And, and I visited other auctions to see what they were doing. And 
got some feeling and, you know, what we could do, what we could afford, what we pick our battles. You know, you're dealing with people that were old school that didn't want to change and computers were scary back then, even scarier than we are now. So we had to take some baby steps, but we got there and doing that, we were able to, you know, double and triple and quadruple the business we were doing and bring in commercial accounts and things like that over the years. So, you know, everything uh, worked out, but it was a process. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat painful at times, but it, yeah. uh, we, got, we got to the finish line uh, eventually. You know, one of my early learning curves as I came into the industry was was trying to figure out the environment, the competitive environment with the the chain auto auctions and the independent auto auctions. And, and maybe that's still, you know, that, that that thread probably still runs through the industry today to a certain extent, but things have changed dramatically. But one of my recollections was just that Harrisburg and, and you and Stan in particular were just so proud as independent auction owners and really advocated for, for the independent auction world. I know that's important to you. Very much so. And, you know, one of the things we found out early uh, attending the NAAA meetings and conventions was that the chains, and back in, in those days, in the early days, it was really just Mannheim, but you know, soon we had ADT, soon we had Adesa, GE was in there for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. We'd go to meetings and these companies would take all the clients away <laughs> and <laughs> go to dinner, go this, go do that. So we had a couple of meetings, just, this is clear back in the, probably the you know, late 90s, that we needed to create an organization of independent owners and it started out as being mainly uh, with social beginnings and we were going to have our own parties and we were going to do things to compete with Mannheims of the world on a uh, equal basis at these meetings so two real uh, pioneers and godfathers of that first independent group were Stan Oynitsky and Larry Kurz who was an auction owner out of Florida of course I was there and they kind of nominated me to be the new social director <laughs> So I was uh, handed the task of uh, putting these events together. And, you know, we had some fabulous events and we were able to, to get our customers to come out with the independents. And, and that's really how the independent auction group started. As time went on, it wasn't called the independent auction group back in those days. I think it was just the independent committee or something like that. We would have meetings. We'd talk about things and, uh, you know, elevate ourselves with the association and with the industry and pretty much how it started. Yeah, that's really cool. Lynn, what are uh, or who are some of the people that, as certainly you've mentioned Stan and a few others, but who else within the industry in terms of relationships or maybe even type of mentor relationships for you? Who were who are those people and what are those those names that, that were important to you that that you look back and said, you know what, without this relationship or without a little nudge from from this person, things may have gone differently. Well, you know, after 40 some years, there's a lot of them and a lot of these names and these real pioneers and Hall of Famers from the NAAA were involved with projects that benefited the entire association and the independents. And it was our job and my job at the time to make sure the independents had equal footing with, with Mannheim and ADT and eventually Odessa and so on. But, uh, you know, after Stan Wojnicki, you know, I think back to Warren Young and Daryl Sicoli, back in the early days. Those two guys were the first two to, to, to run the uh, Mannheim organization, but they really put the industry first and everything that they thought of and did, they were thinking about how's this going to uh, benefit our, our entire industry. And, you know, there weren't many things that went on back in those days, you know, that you didn't get hold of uh, Daryl or 
or war and say, hey, what do you think about this idea? What do you what, what do you think about going this direction? And, and you know, they'd mull it around and, you know, sometimes they'd treat things that were similar to ideas. And <laughs> a good example is uh, auction net. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually created auction net wise still with NADA, used car guide. But I knew we had to sell it to the NAAA and, you know, that meant Warren and whoever was president at the time. I think it was Larry Hedrick or somebody around that time. The concept was we would collect all the data uh, electronically from member auctions, including Mannheim, including Odessa, including ADT. And uh, we would compile it and use it and pay NAAA for that privilege. There were a lot of details to work out, a lot of... Uh, problems and concerns, but we got it done. And Ray Nichols was another one. Uh, he kind of became the NAAA father of auction net. And you know, it's still running today. It's still providing a huge income for uh, for NAAA. The entire industry uses the data. Interesting sidebar is two guys that worked for me at at, uh, at uh, NADA are now with NAAA running auction net. Jim Gibson, Larry Dixon. At full circle, coming all the way around. We have Auto IMS was another one that was created from the industry. And, you know, I think Larry Brazier should get a lot of credit for that. And Ray Nichols was involved. Stan and I were involved. Uh, and this was a, originally a group put together and from the inside of the industry and owned by Manheim, Dessa, the Independence, and ServNet. So there were four owners of Auto IMS. And it's still tradition today. And that makeup. It just goes to show some of these guys had some thoughts and ideas or stood the test of time. Tony Morby was another one that was very influential. You mentioned him a minute ago, particularly when ADP came out. Richardson? Yeah, Mike Richardson. They were uh, you know, they were ahead of their time. <laughs> they made a had a lot of ideas that were sort of contrary to the way things were running in auctions at that time. They believed in them and they put them in place and we ended up uh, utilizing them throughout the industry. So Mike Richardson and Tony Moore, we should get a lot of credit for that. So many people, so many more names, a lot of them still around. A lot of them have their second, third generations now involved with NAAA and running their auctions. You are listening to the Auto Remarketing Podcast. My name is Bill Zadites. Uh, this is our uh, special series uh, as we prepare for and celebrate the NAAA 75th anniversary. We're online today with a 1993 Hall of Famer, Lynn Weaver. Lynn Weaver, of course, at Harrisburg Auto Auction, as you've heard, also with NADA Used Car Guide for a long time as well. And and Lynn, as we as we move forward the the back half of our time with you today, I know like so many of the owners in the industry, eventually there comes a time when you you need to evaluate where your career is going, where you are in the in the life stage, and 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 your thoughts about you know maybe where uh, your businesses changes, and, and I know eventually that that time frame came for you uh, as well at Harrisburg. Yeah, it's a it's a hard decision to make. Uh, we were uh, in a situation where our we were we were looking for an exit strategy. Ben's son Chip and I, and uh, we needed to figure out how to how to move on. Chip wasn't really engaged in the business at that time, and we we, we had to figure out something. And there were people buying auctions at that time, so. Uh, you know, I quietly put the word out and that we were interested in talking. And it took two two tries, but we finally got it done about two years apart. We turned out an offer, kept the business, and then uh, turned around and 
another group made a different offer and we uh, played it out, which was the America's group out of Dallas. We decided to sell the business and, uh, and move on. But uh, part of the process of that was, and part of the reason that Americans liked what Harrisburg had to offer was that, uh, you know, I agreed to stay on in a transitionary period. And then my son, Clint, mm. took over as the general manager and he's still running it. We passed it down to the next generation and he loves the business and will be in it till, till he's my age, I hope. And, <laughs> and then uh, we'll see what happens next. And it's, uh, you know, America's sold to accelerate group and change is change. The people stay the same. Yeah. Lynn, let's, um, let's talk about the NAAA for a second. Obviously, uh, as you mentioned, change is change and, and, and life goes on. Things change in the industry a bit here and there. What do you, what do you see happening now at NAAA, and 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 what do you see for the future uh, of your organization in your mind? Well, I think the future is bright. It's good. You know, there's so many good programs that are have been established around the auction industry that, that give it strength and give it teeth. And you know, then AAA is involved uh, at least peripherally in all of them. You know, we've got I mentioned a couple already with AuctionNet and Auto IMS, but you know, Auction Edge was formed for the for the independents to have their own technology company, and it's it's still in grade. And uh, Auction Academy is a fantastic program that uh, NAAA is firmly behind. You know, as the the industry is is going to continue to evolve, I think there's going to be more mergers and acquisitions of independent auctions that are either looking for an exit strategy or there's a situation that comes along that they can't pass up. But, and there may be some new players down the road that get into our industry. You know, auctions are, one, all auctions, not just independents, are very adaptable. We change when necessary. You know, COVID proved that. We hardly skipped a beat during the COVID years and we keep getting stronger. I, I think we'll continue to merge in-lane and digital and and see how that works out in the future. But I, there's a huge demand for in-lane. And so that's not going away anytime soon. But digital isn't either. So we have to continue to, to make strides to improve on that and make it as comfortable for the buyers and sellers as uh, the in-lane experience. A lot going on, for sure. For sure. I know you've got a lot going on too, Lynn. Lynn Weaver, Hall of Famer in the NAAA, his class 1993. I can't say enough good things about Lynn Weaver. He's always been a good friend and someone who, I, who I've trusted many, many times just to pick up the phone and, and give a call. So, Lynn, thanks for agreeing to do this with us today. And again, appreciate your time. Absolutely, Bill. And I thank you for doing these podcasts. This is a uh, great opportunity to hear from a lot of NAAA members and, and icons in the industry. Once again, that is Lynn Weaver. You're listening to the Auto Remarketing Podcast. My name is Bill Zadites. This is part of our special series uh, for the NAAA 75th. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, even more of an honor for me to spend some time with some NAAA Hall of Famers along the way. We appreciate you listening. The Auto Remarketing Podcast continues to grow and, uh, and you're a big part of that. So thank you for continuing to listen to the Auto Remarketing Podcast. Once again, my name is Bill Zadites and we'll see you down the road. Dealers need service revenue to stay profitable. And as vehicles become increasingly complex, consumers need service and repair guidance now more than ever. 
But with the majority of consumers defecting from service bays by the fifth year of ownership, dealers aren't just losing that revenue, but also a chance to influence the next purchase. Enter Kelly Blue Book Service Advisor, where consumers search for the information they need, trusting they can find the right repair partner for a fair price. Partner with Service Advisor, part of the number one most trusted third-party automotive brand, and turn your service center into a profit center.